You are live. Greetings, commanders, and welcome to episode 89 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Colin Phoenix Defire Ford, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder tonight, we have Head of Health and Safety at Lave Station, Commander Bess Moz Woodwood. Who? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, yes, yes, um, uh, good evening, and apparently I've changed my name to Bess, so hello. <laughs> Yes. Mr. Colon. Yes, Mr. Colon, yes. Uh, also joining us, our chief bar steward, Mr. Grant Wolcott. Hello. And handling the sound in the background, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Hello. I uh, just realised that when I said you guys are live, I was also live. So I hope everyone enjoyed that little bit of behind-the-scenes insight into the workings of live radio. Very <laughs> professional on my part. Yes, I always wondered. Right, if you wish, you can join us live if you are in the Horizons beta. At this moment in time, there are a few of us hanging around the Gloss Lab uh, base on Leasty 4, I believe it is, uh, you, at the moment. Yeah, we can, have you try, can you try and say that again, but in English? Gloss Lab. I don't know, it's, it's Gloss Lab. It's, it's, a, it's a funky planet, actually. It's quite nice. Yes, I can, I can see you doing the... Oi, oi! Mr. Mr. Psycho Cow decides that we're, we're playing bumpers all of a sudden, and I don't know why, and I don't know why my blasted thing's going backwards a lot. I guess, I guess it's a... I've just crashed into something. Thanks a lot, you. Anyway, if, if you can manage to find us... At Gloss Lab on Leasty 4, you are quite welcome to join us. No, no, it's uh, Deso 4, isn't it? Deso. Deso 4. We're in Deso. <laughs> you don't even know <laughs> oh, where we are. Yes, I, I do. It's just you lot are all saying, no, we're at Leasty. No, we're at Deso. Well, we're in Deso. So, because everybody wants it to be in light. Ah. Yeah. Oh, they're all scared of the dark around here. Which is ironic mm. since we're in space. <laughs> anyway, let's start with... Um, Mr. Jarvis, what have you been up to this week? Oh, sorry, I was just trying to find my way to do so. I wasn't concentrating. Uh, what have I been doing this week? I have been sorting out stuff, um, following on from... I've actually been doing loads of Kickstarter and Patreon stuff. Because uh, obviously the Kickstarter for Chaos Reborn finished last week. Um, so I've been going through all the kind of processes for that in terms of shutting down the Kickstarter and trying to work out how to actually get the funding uh, to me. Um, and same with the Patreon, actually, because the, the Patreon backers for Escape Velocity, were the ones who commented, all sounded very happy to basically do like a single episode payment up front so that we've got kind of an active budget to actually make the series. So I've put out the kind of... Um, I suppose, the, the paid update for uh, the Patreon. Uh, and hopefully at some point that will actually manifest into some budget coming my way. It hasn't yet, um, which is why some other things have not come out just yet. But um, yeah, that's mostly what I've been doing. Um, and I've also been writing because obviously those projects are now in a state where I need to, you know, finish scripts. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been doing lots of writing, which has been nice because actually it's been a while since I've had a chance to do any. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. Ah, you, you got my name to? right this time. Yeah, I am I've, pronouncing I've been, proper. Yes, we we do our our pronunciation good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, out of game, I've actually been. I had a flying trip round to Amsterdam for the weekend to try to get some things over there 
sorted and dealt with, and I'm about to crash into a planet. Help! <laughs> there we go. Um, but that was all. It was made for a very busy weekend, but it was a good weekend, and I got everything done and dusted, and nice opportunity to catch up with some of my friends and things. So, all in all, it was a good weekend. We had a couple of very interesting nights on the ferry with, um, oh, about, I think it was 70 to 80 kilometer per hour winds, driving rain and all that kind of stuff. That was awesome fun. Um, In-game, I've not really had a chance to do a lot, seeing as I wasn't here. And last night I had the problem with, oh, that I couldn't download the installer or something like that. But Frontier, bless their little cotton socks, were working till gone one in the morning last night and got it all fixed. So (laughs) I've got to give Frontier Development a load of kudos for basically working so hard. It is really appreciated, guys. Thank you very much. And Mr. Wilcott. That just sounded like Ken Lee Ben was thinking Frontier were just just doing it for him. I know. (laughs) He's got very inflated. It's all about me. Don't you know this? Oh, I suppose, yeah. I should should know that, shouldn't I? Uh, Yeah, I have been obviously working hard on the edit for Docker Season 2, Episode 1. Can finally confirm that my grand's flat has now sold and can now confirm that the solicitor doesn't think there's going to be any money left after (laughs) all the carry on, which is probably sad uh, and true. Um, other than that, yeah, I have been playing some Horizons. I we'll talk about it later on, so I'll, I'll try and save my thoughts for it. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it's been quite as plain sailing as I thought it was going to be. But I'm certainly enjoying the carry on now. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, I've just had a, a trip up to Scotland myself, and uh, last night I was burning the midnight oil, getting Top Shift 53 out, which covered Horizons. So, yeah, this it's been a it's been an interesting couple of uh, 24 hours, I think. So, moving on, um, the first thing we've obviously got to talk about is. Elite Dangerous 2.0 Horizons has been released in beta, and otherwise we wouldn't be on the planet's surface. So, from everybody who's, who's had a go at it, what are your first impressions? Let's start with Ben. Oh, I'm currently landing for the very first time at its station. So, yeah, I can give you my my first impressions live if you want. Um, <laughs> I successfully managed to get out of Orbital Cruise, and I'm approaching Pad 8, so if you guys want to giggle around Pad 8, and... Oh no, is it Pad 8 or 6? I can't see. Pad 6, mm. it looks like. Oh, I can see you actually coming in. Yeah, By the way, so, when we mean first impressions, we don't mean any impressions into the ground. Hey, I've, <laughs> it doesn't look like I'm going to do a pancake, so that's all good. And I'm coming in now. I think I... I is that you I see there? I'm coming oh, here. I was rather hoping that I was sitting on the pad that he was going to get... <laughs> If you want it, Grant, you go onto the pad and I'll land. I can, I can, yeah, I can actually see you coming up. I'm just going to. Uh, I'm currently come up hovering the 40 meters, forty meters above the pad, waiting for you to to tell me to come down and squash you. So for the this benefit is of science people, and testing here. Yeah, for the benefit of oh. the people on the stream, I'm just going to do. I was very interested in the stuff that was going on on the Frontier Dev stream, and oh, I'm just trying out. Ones. I'm just trying out some of the things that they said, which is keeping the. Uh, keeping my uh, attitude in the blue zone, and I'm basically trying to do a single orbit of the planet 
before I come in to land with everyone. So it's a bit boring at the moment because I'm basically flying around the dark side. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, in a minute, we're about to get like a really impressive sunrise. Oh no, there's the sun. Okay, scratch that. Here we go. <laughs> oh, well, that was nice and quick then. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as Oops. myself was concerned, um, I mean, when I saw this last night, I think the f- I completely wiped my save because uh, they, they were going to do, they wanted people to test the, the, um, the starting position for people on the planet. And I must admit, flying a, a sidewinder, uh, launching and landing a sidewinder on a planet is, is a little bit of a, a sphincter twitching moment for, uh, for me. So how was it for everybody else, Grant? Yeah, um, well, I've got, I've got a video up of uh, an attempted landing by somebody else, but you haven't seen my... <laughs> I spent last night uh, not able to land uh, at oh. all. No matter what I did, I couldn't get below this drop level. Um, and then it, it, then I, I couldn't get the horizon save either, so I couldn't get the start on the planet. And then eventually the horizon save you know, came in, and I just thought, oh, you know what, I've had enough for the night, and I gave up. And then I've come in today expecting it is probably just a glitch or, you know, things not going quite to plan. And, and sure enough, today when I tried to get to the planet, I had a similar issue after it crashed where it wouldn't let me below 900 kilometers. And oh. then as, as I forcibly went down below that, it then started telling me that I needed the horizons uh, in order to land on this planet. Oh. Why are those ships stacked? I don't know. You're in the wrong, you're the wrong part of the, the base, I think. I'm on pad three, and there is currently, and I kid you not, I'm going to get a screenshot of this. There's <laughs> two cobras parked on top of each other. Oh, well, maybe and that's where like sidewinders come from. <laughs> 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 but yeah, once I managed to get, but I had problems getting into um, glide mode, and that's a really confusing concept. But um, it was, it just took me a while to become. Uh, you know, all fee with the whole process of how it was going to work and mm. how you come down into orbital cruise and that's beautifully seamless and then you drop out of orbital cruise into the sort of planetary uh, glide mode or just normal flight. The glide mode allows you to cover greater distances. Uh, normal flight is obviously just normal speed, so if you're going to go uh, more than a couple of, you know, 100 kilometres, then it's going to be a bit painfully slow, but you can do it. And yes. that's how I did my first landing, and then we worked out, as my colleague came in to land next to me, um, <laughs> that well, the gravity land- on this planet was a lot stronger than both of us had considered. Yes, I must admit, I have seen that video, and... Um, uh, yeah, I think you need a needle and thread to to stop stop laughing so much because your side split. You see? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and I have some bad news for you, um, Colin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ship that's currently being squished is yours. <laughs> is it? <laughs> oh. How can how can that be? Mine's in the in in the hangar. I can tell you, it's not. In fact, I reckon I can sit on top of these both. Because all I can see is one ship doing silly things. Um, for those those of you waiting for the twitch camera to show up i've decided to come via the range of mountains uh which is i was going to say south of you but i have absolutely no idea whether or not it's south um it was below you when i was approaching the lab so i'm having a nice little scenic fly through some uh, foothills here 
Um, I've discovered something slightly unfortunate about this new SRV screen. If you're flying mm-hmm. a ship which has a window below your feet, like yeah. the Asp, uh, I'm in the keelback, what's annoying is you can now lo- no longer use that window at the bottom of the cockpit, because every time you look down, the Scarab um, window appears, which is kind of annoying, actually. It's a sort of slightly unintended consequence uh, of the new UI, because I was hoping to be able to look down through my feet um, and see the, the my landing site approach. And, of course, you can't do that now, unfortunately. So mm. that's just a little by the by. Okay, with five minutes to fly to Gloss Lab, I might return back up to... Um, <laughs> I might go back up to gliding at altitude. Commander Wu Yi has just joined us in his ASP. Oh, good yeah, thing. I'm, I'm, w- I'm watching him landing or whatever he's doing at the moment. I'm nearly out of fuel. <laughs> Again. Uh, what's your hull percentage on Grant? So, 64%. <laughs> I'm on 56. So that's because I rammed you, isn't it? I didn't mean to ram you. Well, there's I, I, d- I deliberately rammed uh, Colin as well, maybe. Yeah, thanks, the period. <laughs> oh, Commander Wu's just hovering. I wonder if I can go up and say hi to him. Going up. Okay, Ow. so does, does, does anyone know how I re-engage glide mode? Because I've just gone up to You fly up and... Fly up and then press the engage super cruise button. Super cruise. I, I, I wondered if it was the super cruise button. Yeah, because I'm still eight no. minutes out from Gloss Lab. Oh, have I got to fly straight up to do this? This is going to be a disaster. Yes. Yeah, so this, this, just play with your throttle. As I say, there's a lot of things you have to <laughs> kind of get to grips with um, in order to make the perfect landing. And bearing in mind the gravitational pull of the planet, because now that we're on the planet, you've obviously got a vertical thrust in your buggy, which is great. So you can save yourself flying straight up in a big, huge, massive straight line right up into the air. And if the planet has a very high gravitational pull, you're going to come down bloody fast and do damage the trick is to save some of that thruster or get ready to fire the thruster to try and steady your fall but sometimes if you're too high you're dead because there's no matter how much thruster you've got you haven't got enough distance to the planet before you crumple into it and it mm. makes for a lot of fun so there's a lot of you know yeah. you can do big <laughs> runs and jumps on top of ships you can clear your ship you can jump over other buggies, and uh, as I say, I've just been staring at two cobras that were mating on Docking Bay 3 in an attempt to try and get on top of them. Unfortunately, the thruster takes a hell of a lot of your fuel away. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten to take into account gravity when I was using my down thruster to land on a pad. I boosted it as much <laughs> as I normally do to land on a station. <laughs> I just slammed it into the deck. If you want a feel for the the, the gravity, if once you're out of orbital cruise, once you're down to that sort of 20, 25 kilometres from the planet's surface, uh, try flight assist off. You'll then get a natural pull from the planet and it will start to sort of pull you down towards okay. the surface. Um, and you'll then understand exactly how strong mm. that pool is. But yeah, if you go hell for leather towards the planet's surface, you could find yourself not being able to pull out of your descent and uh, <laughs> yeah. ending I'm, up as uh, yeah, debris. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hoping gonna, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to start referring to DRP as the derp level. <laughs> 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 so I'm coming into a planet and I just derped. But yeah, I mean, I'd have to say, you know, my first impression of this was very meh. 
because of all the bugs I was having. It wasn't, and it wasn't clear that they were bugs. It just didn't make sense. People are saying, oh, you need to get your planetary landing module and you also need to have a buggy carrier. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. If I just want to land on a planet, I don't give a crap about going out in a buggy, so surely I could just do it with the planetary landing module. I thought, but I can't do it with either. I still can't blooming land. Who's this about to squish me? I still can't, there's another asp, uh, I still can't land on the planet, I can't get past this, the Commander Wii U, uh, I just can't get past this DRP level, and it's so high that it's not feasible for me to try and manually land, but of course it turned out that was a, a bug where it was detecting or not detecting that I had horizons, and um, today has corrected that, but yeah, you just got to take it slow, um, is that a Cobra upside down? Oh, we've got um, a federal corvette coming into land. Commander Payne's showing up. Oh, I'm going to have to launch just to see this. <laughs> Robert Perry, has, has, who was you know, mating with Colin's uh, Cobra, has parked his Cobra upside down on a ramp at the side of one of the landing pads. Um, oh, oh no, he's the trying, comedy. He's, he's trying some boosting. You're on a planet, mate. You're on a planet. I've got a feeling we are now going to have a new batch of uh, amazingly bad NPC pilots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely going to need fixing. Um, well, I, can see, I can see the Corvette. Commander Payne in his Corvette. Well, let's have a look and see. So, I mean, at the moment, yeah, it's kind of Horizons is, is a bit of eye candy. Um, it's tricky uh, to get a hang of it. That orbital descent thing is quite... It's quite, um, now that it's working the way I think it should have worked, you know, and it's doing yeah. what it should do, um, then it kind of becomes that second nature thing. It's not like Super Cruise where you then drop out and then you dock. It's very much like Super Cruise oh, straight into doing. Orbital Cruise. He's doing some kind of weird looping system there. He's, do making... he's donutting in space. Oh, and he's disappeared. That means the matchmaking services is causing problems. And that's the other side, of course. It's a beta. There's tons of bugs. And mm -hmm. you just do something, and then somebody disappears. And then you, 10 minutes later, lose control of your buggy. It starts going hell for leather in all kinds of directions. And then, boom, tells you the matchmaking server's dropped. And then you're back in. So it's loads of bugs that are tricky to sort of uh, play and get a feel around. Um, but, you know, that's what we're doing it for. We're going to report all these bugs, and um, I think I have a little update for the NPC controls because they don't seem to understand that on a planet you have to maintain a little bit of height, and if you are upside down with your landing gear out and you park it at this particular angle, um, that's not docking. I think I'm going to go and sit on top of them. That's not all that's been happening this, this week. Um, at the moment, there are two betas in progress. Uh, one of which is the 1.5 beta, which is 64-bit. Uh, that's continuing on in parallel. Uh, has anybody had a chance to try the 64-bit 1.5? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I just wondered if there's actually I'm a performance about increase over the... <laughs> 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 but in other news, we've got um, black paint jobs, which were available for... Oh, oh dear... Um, <laughs> oh dear, I've just um, yes, I, crashed to death. face planted. Oh, I've got you marked as destroyed. Yeah, no, I just had a uh, let me go to the holding page on uh, on Twitch for a moment. 
um, <laughs> yeah. yeah no i just had a crash to desktop there in the um uh the the beta evidently it did not want to deploy my srv um ah. so let me just send in that bug report <laughs> <laughs> well yes we've got new t-shirts new skins lots of stuff in the store um does anybody see the funky <laughs> synth skins yeah does anyone i've seen them <laughs> not your kind of taste is it not so much <laughs> yeah uh with some new t-shirts and 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 things like that. Did uh, you notice that Adam was actually sporting the Wings t-shirts this evening on the stream? Unfortunately not. Uh, um, I was too busy putting the kids to bed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rock and roll lifestyles of their rave radio presenters. true, I know. And I've come in the wrong way, I think. Nope. <laughs> oh, I can't even land on this thing now. Right. 4%. <laughs> Are you trying to destroy your own... Uh, uh, SRV then? Ideally, I would love to get a hitch on top of somebody's ship and for them to lift me up and put me on top of one of those big, massive buildings and then I'd go jump off. (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't think we have a Thunderbird 2 like winch, which is a bit of a shame. So, okay, so the beauty of me having a crash while deploying the SRV means that we're now streaming the quite nice SRV loading screen (laughs) that you get (laughs) if you saved out of the game while you were deployed. It's quite nice because you wouldn't see it otherwise, and it's quite a nice little model. Yeah, they, 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 uh, one thing I do like about those spinning models—they do give off a lot of the detail that you don't see unless you're nose to nose with another ship. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. now uh, there are a few other items which were discovered in uh, discussed in the dev update uh, last Friday or Thursday by Mister Brooks. Um, apparently there are some changes coming in with the speed of the shield recharging while docking has been increased. Uh, there's new, a flu- more flexible system to populate systems and settlements in Horizons. And uh, they all hope to offer this in Space 2. But since Spaceport interact with Stellage Forge, it's a little bit more complex. Now, I'm not sure about this, but have, have they actually confirmed that Horizons will be coming to Xbox One? Um, yes, I believe they have. They they haven't given any ETA on when or anything like that, but I'm sure I've seen tweets coming out saying we are working on Horizons for Xbox One. Hmm. So, uh, yes, so those Xbox players will be able to, well, not join us, so to speak, but they will have one up on the poor Mac players, unfortunately. Yeah, is, is there any, any news on the Mac version, Is or is this something that's... Um, I'd, there's no progress or there's no progress possible. Well, I was under the impression that it's a case of no progress is possible until Mac, until Apple pulled their finger out. And, um, yes, <laughs> good luck with trying to convince Apple they need to do something. Yeah, unless there's some other way that you can basically get these compute shaders to run under OS ten. I don't know if there's a lot that Frontier can do. No. Or if there's a way that Frontier can um, can do their these things without the compute shaders, but it's a bit of a uh, showstopper. That's yeah. a real shame. That's such a positive uh, I, inclusion, and now it's kind of tainted and horrible. It is. 
Well, that's good to know. My uh, scarab has just got pulled up into my ship and then deployed again, and it's now back to 100%. So I guess as soon as you dock your ship, your your scarab's repaired. Oops, that was a hard hit. 20%. Oh, no. Ah. Well, the other thing is work continues with the, the VR, is it the HR vibe? Um, it does seem that that is kind of the primary development VR headset for Elite Dangerous now. Oh, say it isn't so. Well, Oculus hasn't really... There, there hasn't been any movement on this problem with the Oculus Rift and the, the SDK. And the SDK, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, <sighs> with the, the, the support for the only sort of one version and things, yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure what what's... It's a shame, though. Again, I suppose you can, when you have different manufacturers and different uh, hardware involved, you are beholden to the various different companies actually working together, and uh, that's not always not always possible. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little bit of a complex situation, but we are keeping an eye on it because um, a lot of people are uh, enthusiastic about the the uh, the Oculus Rift. Just thinking, Colin, mm-hmm. uh, before we get too in-depth with Horizons and all the exciting goodness, I believe there was something else exciting that also happened this week regarding a certain Kickstarter. <laughs> yes, and thankfully we are just joined by the station commander himself, Commander Alan Stroud. How are you, sir? But obviously not as tired as you guys. Goodness, it's, 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 all, a bit, it's all a bit slow. A bit uh, slow. Yeah, it's all a bit Kirk around here. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing a lot of pauses. I'm hearing a lot of, whoa, slow stuff. Uh, we've got Phil here as well, obviously. Yeah, I'm here as well, guys. How do you feel? Right. The, the I mean, the, the plan, um, we, we, we kind of sort of thought we'd hijack a little bit, really. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm aware that everybody is very, very excited about Horizons and... Um, uh, very excited about driving buggies and playing Mario Kart in super friendly science fiction space, which I think is great. Um, uh, I, I don't know if anyone's sporting a moustache yet. I've not really seen. Although, although Dave Hughes has got a very fetching, you know, returned moustache. If anybody is is, is checking, um, but uh, yeah, no, we we were at something this weekend, which was was rather exciting, which was the uh, the Uncle Art recording at Abbey Road Studios, which is the Frontier theme being recorded by the London Chamber Orchestra, no less. Uh, and I was rubbish, because I turned up late, but Phil was there for everything. Yeah, you, turn, you turned up late. He, was, he turned up four hours later and I thought was, it was the next day, guys. I wasn't four hours late. I was two and a half hours late. Let's, <laughs> let's like get this right. Let's, let's, let's kind of chump this down and, 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 and think it. But no, I'll, I'll confess completely, this is a really, really tough time of year for me, because um, teaching is really, really hard. Uh, at this point, because I've got a new course, I've got all sorts of stuff, and uh, unfortunately, I put in the diary that it was Saturday, and it turned out it was Friday. So I did a a, a newspaper interview first thing in the morning, and then went, oh, uh, mm, and then got a phone call from Kieran, uh, uh, one of the the you know the uh, the other halves of one of the uh, the Low family, and uh, Kieran Kieran phoned me up and uh, and said, um, are you coming? And I went, where are you? Yeah. Is it today? And he went, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I dashed away from my, my computer, got on, uh, got in the car and uh, got straight to the train station 
uh, avoided some some electrification works down into to London St Pancras, got all the way down there, and managed to turn up at about one o'clock. But as I say, Phil was there from ten thirty. So what yes. was it like? It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the orchestra themselves. I mean, if anybody knows anything about the Chamber Orchestra of London, they are consummate professionals anyway. But the way they just gelled um, from their initial straightforward performance of practicing right through to the you know the main sessions and the recurgence re- yeah, resurgence takes that they did on the actual um, set was absolutely fantastic. I mean, we've heard many a year over, you know, course of being elite fans, uh, various recreations of the Frontier theme from way back in the 90s to the 2000s, to the wonderful um, Jamie Treacher track that we all know and love. But this one really sells it. I mean, imagine the Amiga and the Atari ST version done properly is an understatement. They really sold it i think i think it was quite amazing and you know and i caught the last bit of the uh the stringed orchestra in the in the morning because it was the that's most right. of the or- wasn't it? it was most of the orchestra recording from 10 30 that's right they did it in two sets yeah that's right and then the afternoon was percussion and i caught the just the last half hour and the the thing that you noticed was that you know i've i've been at orchestra performances before and and that's you know let's be clear it's that we're talking about the Frontier 1993 film and the second theme, um, uh, sorry, the, the 1993 theme and the second theme uh, recorded. So, you know, two tracks, um, and they're, they're basically doing a playthrough recording, and then they're doing spot sections that they can kind of, you know, edit in and, and what have you. And the thing that struck me is just the precision, the fact that these guys had picked, literally picked up the music First thing that morning, probably not taken at home or anything, just turned up and gone, oh, yeah, you know, and then just the precision of it was amazing. And, I mean, you, you write a lot of music, Phil. Um, I write, I write my, my small bit of music. Um, it was just, you know, by comparison, there just isn't one, is there, really? No, there wasn't. You, you're, quite, you're quite on the ball with that one, Alan. It, it was so in tuned. It's like they just picked up the script you know, the actual uh, sheet music, and they were making subtle little edits on the fly where they're going, can we have the, um, uh, a bit more crescendo here and stuff like that, and uh, can we have a little bit more uh, treble there and stuff like that? They, they, they really were in tune, and they were, the orchestra themselves were actually asking the conductor, and then they, he ran it by the booth with Dave and everybody else saying, would that work better? And they went, yeah, so they did another take on it. And they slowly but surely built it up, over time, when they were doing the actual uh, main orchestral versions of the two themes, to where it sounded not only like what we know and love, but sounded absolutely amazingly better because they they got more um, they got more they got more confident with it. You know, yeah, yeah. I think as well, there's kind of, and I think we said on the on the day. Um, it isn't these things aren't about volume as we kind of think of it on a dial on a pair of headphones or on a, or a pair That's of speakers right, yeah. there's there's something about size isn't there mm-hmm. and there's something about the way in which when you have i don't know 20 violins 15 violins you know the size of the sound it's so different 
to what you're used to on a synthesizer, particularly when you're, you know, you're there sitting there nice and quiet. Incidentally, we were, you know, phones off, weren't we? Or on silent. We had to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sat in a corner, basically trying to think of something to do with your hands, trying to work out where you're supposed to look. Um, (laughs) But uh, but it was something about the size of the of the sound was just just incredible. Yeah. Um, and of course, then you know we had a bit of a chat with uh, with with Daisy. We had a bit of a chat with Holly, and we had a bit of a chat with Dave. We ended and, up on the documentary with Lucy as well. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. They've uh, they've instead they've recorded everything as a, as a little documentary as well, which we're hoping will go to Kickstarter backers and uh, and people will be able to see fairly soon when they start to to put that together. But we had a bit of a chat with them as we went through, and just to talk to Dave, Dave was just stunned at what they were doing with his work. He, he you know? was, he was amazed by it, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, everyone was kind of, I've never had it recorded like this. This is this is amazing, you know. So. It was lovely to see to see that and to see that a Kickstarter was producing something like that because, you know, and I, I think I said at the time, you can talk about books, you can talk about films, you can talk about board games, you can talk about computer games and so on and so forth. To have a Kickstarter pr- to produce something like that is quite special. Uh, and the quality was absolutely first rate. I mean, if anybody's actually, um, I know everybody who knows me on, you know, through the team speak stuff knows I'm a big Doctor Who fan and stuff like that, but the same conductor and actual uh, per- uh, percussion and orchestral group also recorded at Abbey Road the the uh, Adventures in Space and Time, you know, the docudrama about um, yeah. William Hartnell. And if you actually listen to that soundtrack, which is freely available to actually download and listen to quite eloquently, you'll get an idea of exactly the quality of what they did on that day with the Frontier themes. It was absolutely first rate. There was one other little element that we've got to mention, though, Alan. Hmm. Yeah. When we were actually um, in there, at the bar, (laughs) they were on a break. Alan, (laughs) me and Dave Allen and a few other guys were there. This was absolutely first rate. They were selling on tap and in bottle form behind the bar Frontier beer. <laughs> and I picked up a bottle. Me and Dave, me and Dave Allen picked up a bottle uh, each. And actually, no, I picked it up. Dave bought one for himself. Um, but we picked up a bottle of da- uh, Frontier beer and gave it to Dave Lowe and said, take that home and mount it on your <laughs> shelf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, that was lovely. And also, I think you were saying that in the morning... Wasn't one of the musicians? That's right. Yes. 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 When, when when Holly introduced the, the beginning part of the actual session, Holly uh, came down uh, with Dave and introduced with the conductor, the orchestra, what the piece was about, what it was from, and stuff like that. And as soon as they mentioned about uh, old video games, one kid put his hand up. Who's one of the younger members of the actual fiddle group? You know, the uh, violin group. Turned around, and went, I remember that game, and he goes. You're Dave Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless! So he did played original. He played Frontier, which he uh, played Frontier, one of the songs he actually knew and loved. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's that's great. And you know, I, I I think certainly they obviously they treat everything that they they do with a, a level of professionality and, and indeed. reverence. Indeed, but, on the indeed on the day. Sorry to yeah 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 cut in. But uh, on the day, the one thing I will give Abbey Road Studios is everybody who was on staff there, Holly, Dave, Lucy, uh, Victoria as well. Their mum was there as well. She, as soon as the first session cut was actually taken, the first take that was taken, she's there giving a round of applause, even though we're not <laughs> supposed to and stuff. And we're all like 
following suit, even though we're not supposed to. Um, it was it was it was absolutely spectacular. It, it's a spectacle to behold, if that's the way I could describe well, it, it. It's kind of you know, and I, I mean, obviously, I came in a little bit late, but I did I did whisper to um, to to. Dave you were lucky. You got to go in the sound booth, you son of a. Well, I, I was only in there for a little bit, but where <laughs> I, I was listening to Dave. Yeah, you know, basically, I whispered to Dave Allen in the afternoon. I said, "I want to were I want to applaud after every take." And yes. that, was, that was the, you know, the problem. Do it. <laughs> no, no, you couldn't. And you're watching watching the xylophone players with, not with two beaters, but with four beaters in his hands to, you know, to play the, the, the sort of the, the piece and the rhythm there. I found out and something then, about that guy, by the way, Alan. Right, yeah. He was the 2000 winner of the Young Musician of the Year. Oh, wow. There we go. So, um, but also seeing how when they were working out the timps and mm. working out the different percussion set you had like four or five percussion guys and what they were doing is going okay well this is how the line works but i can't get from this instrument to this instrument so how are we going to do it oh well i'll at this point and you go from there to transfer over to and you know it was it was kind of wasn't it it was kind of a it, it was weird it was really a mismatch but the one thing is those guys really managed to sell it yeah it was like a relay race you would never have known that that was what was going on. And of course, then occasionally where they couldn't make the, the changes, then they do a, do an insert and, you know, and sort of the, the stuff would go in in terms of what was there. But as well, they, they were also um, absolutely on their time in the, you know, the, the, the morning session was three hours. That's what they paid for. The afternoon session was, uh, they cut the break. So I think just before five, so it was about two and yeah. a half hours, I think. The only thing so, we ran out of time for was for the photo shoots after the fact on the Abbey Road itself. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that was fine. You know, we took one or two things, didn't we? But yeah. um, to, I, got, to, I, I got, I got the, I actually got a shot of the um, Lady Madonna piano from the Beatles. Yeah. It's still which, is what, which is what I was going to say. Yeah. So Studio Two, you know, where we were recording is, and you know, we were told this. It is the place where the majority of the Beatles albums were recorded everything apart from revolver was recorded in abbey road studio too so we were you know we're in there the piano the paul mccartney piano is right in the background isn't it and you know in the corner and gathering dust a poor thing and these guys these guys are in there just you know this is what we do weren't they you know and we're kind of sitting there going wow jaw dropped this, this is what we do and you know, even down to the, you know, the moments when someone said, oh, yeah, my headphones, yeah, there's a bit a bit of a glitch here. Goes over to a rack. There's 40 or 50 pairs of headphones on the rack. <laughs> yes, he decides, decides he doesn't like any of them, so goes and finds another one, you know, and, uh, you know, then uh, then goes and takes that over. So, I mean, that was, you know, it was just, the whole atmosphere of the thing was was incredible. And, uh, you know, after I- after having sort of missed some of the morning, I was kind of a little bit, oh, you know, I felt a bit disappointed with myself because I'd kind of mucked a couple of things that, up. But the highlight of the day, experience. The highlight of the day, though, which you did probably miss out on, Alan. Mm. Uh, you probably caught it on the percussion session when, you know, the lead uh, member of the percussion uh, guys was actually said, there's something I need to tell you. It's very important. Oh, yes, more clicks, please. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah? I did hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, the, beauty, <laughs> the beauty about that joke was because when the orchestra was actually doing the brass section – couldn't hear the clicks in the headphones at yeah. all. And they kept saying, more clicks, please. It actually became a running joke. So when the percussion guys came in from the same orchestra, they said, there's something important I've got to say to you guys at the sound booth. It's very, very prevalent. 
oh yeah, that was it. More clicks, please. And at that point, everybody laughed their ass off. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we caught that. I caught, I caught some of that in the in the booth um, as I came in. But uh, uh, yeah, no, it, you know, I mean, the the thing is with these themes, and I mean, we, um, I, I sort of asked you about this at the time mm, when we were yeah. there. Um, there are some very very subtle tempo changes too, which actually was, you yeah. don't you don't realise unless you've taken the thing apart and tried to to sort of work on it. I couldn't, you know, because it's not something I've done. I've done, I've done a little bit of uh, stuff with the Frontier theme when we did a small amount of rearranging um, to do LaveCon 2013. I did a very, very tiny amount of work with the Frontier theme, but I really didn't get into the tempos. And, you know, apparently it's got some time, you know, some time changes, mm. um, which are really, really subtle. Yes, and yeah. The the guys on the percussion were obviously were picking that up. You knew what they were, um, but that's that's really hard. You it know, the fact you've mean, got a tempo change in the in the middle of the thing as well. I mean, the hardest thing they actually tried to figure out, if you remember, on the percussion side of things, just to finish off, yeah, is the when they were actually trying to do the gong. Yeah, 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 and they were trying to. They were trying to do that. You know, if anybody remembers the Amiga version of the Frontier theme, it goes up. You know, midway through it, yeah. and they actually were going to use a gong for that. But the one thing is, they couldn't get the sound right. So they're yeah. there with different mallets on different gongs and stuff like that, trying to get that sound accurate. And and some of the yeah, because obviously with percussion, you know, you've got a few sort of things that they're trying to do. So they're trying to uh, to sort of replicate samples and synth bits. And you had a couple of at one point, we had a couple of cello bows come out. That's and right. Start yeah. getting used on the xylophone. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> And then the the end, you've got a, a couple of the sound booth guys come down and say, "We're trying to replicate a sample. We don't have the sample for you, yeah. so I'm just going to talk to you about what it sounds like. And maybe we'll try a few things." And the and best so they, they got these beaters, didn't they? Across this this gong to try yeah. and make this thing work. And the best part of it is when he actually, when, you remember the uh, balding beardy guy? I forget his name, um, but he was the one, he was the guy who was doing the gong stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he turns around and says, "You've got to do something impressive here. You've got your alpha, you've got your Kickstarter backers here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boulders brass, bless him. Absolutely, no. It was, and it was was very. You know, I mean, they're obviously they're they're sort of drawing these things across there with different beaters to give them yeah. some, you know, some options. But of course, we're listening to them, and we, you know, when they were switching the snare drums over, and they're switching over, you know, which gong they're going to use, and you've got like a a Spartan shield as opposed to a, a sort of a, a, a UFO dome, um, and they're, they're sort of switching these things over, and every time they're making some of these sort of little sounds or trying these things, I'm sitting there going. That'll do. I'll have a sample from that, please. In fact, I believe you and uh, Dave Allen actually said, you know, they, sh- they should make a this should make a sample track out of this lot. Yeah, yeah, just, 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 you know, just, just give us, give us, <laughs> just well, a sample we'll, track. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take the wives home and you know, yeah. you know, find something. It, it to do was with absolutely that. excellently executed when it comes to uh, the way they performed the entire set. Absolutely first rate. And I can tell you this much. The one thing they forgot to do was take the conductor's headphones off the actual podium. Mm. So when they were actually doing the percussion, we could hear the backing track they were mixing it with, and it yeah. does sound good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was lovely. That was certainly when, um, you know, in the uh, in the afternoons, 
able to hear the backing track through the headphones, which was nice. And I, I don't think that interfered with the, you know, the recording. Um, the guy, the guy that came in on the uh, on the the, the big drums. Were oh, they? the timpani. The timpani. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So he had five timps, didn't he? And they they yeah. were all keyed to a different low note. And he came over just at the start and went. Uh, and he he went to I think it was was it Steve went, that he went to? He, he was he just across Steve, from us. Yeah, he went to Steve first, and then I think he went to uh, Chris. Wasn't there at that point? But he uh, basically went. Can I borrow your glasses? Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> we, the, we saved the damn fucking set. Because he's there begging for glasses because he couldn't read the bloody script. He forgot to bring his glasses. You know, I'm I'm all right, but you know, I could do with it. You know, and then he he went back across, and then you just you just heard that stuff, and you know that yes, you've got snares, yes, you've got a gong, and then you've got these huge drums, Mm. and they're obviously keyed to the different pitch. And just when they went through, you know, the the suddenly that that rhythm track, which you know, you know what it's like when you're putting a rhythm track together. It kind of, you know, you, yeah. you work samples or you, um, you know, you work out, um, you sort of program it or whichever way you're going to go. But the dynamic change... The snare drum was the best one because of the way they were working that. Yeah, but just, just the dynamic change, you know, was so incredible, particularly when you had one snare, then two snares. Mm. And, you know, how that makes a difference and how the, you know, bringing the timps in made a difference. Even... When um, in the morning session, when you had the violins playing uh, playing uh, piano, when they're playing soft, yeah. just the way they did it, you know, they weren't even bowing; they were just plucking, you know, plucking That's the right, sort yeah. of, you know, and and just it, it sounded so far away, and then it kind of built, you know, in it in a very gradual thing. And of course, you know, if you were doing it like on a synthesizer, we'd sit there with a with a volume or with a you know with something to just kind of you know create some automation and create some gain but the, beauty, the difference the be- with a live instrument is just so so much the beauty of it though alan and mm. and for the rest of you guys as well yeah is the one thing is we could actually hear the various takes alan obviously came in late so we didn't hear the earlier takes but when i was hearing the orchestra i was like going and a lot of the guys were going this doesn't sound right yeah but then as soon as the percussion guys came in later on, I mean, Stephen Usher was there as well. He had to, unfortunately, um, go as well, you know. Because yeah, of- yeah it, was, it was a shame not to talk to him, actually. Um, hi, Steve, if you're, <laughs> you're here, I did see you. Um, yeah, he, he was there. He Bless him. Nice to see you, Stephen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had to go. He had some family emergency. But he was there, and he did catch most of the uh, early parts of the sessions. However, what what was what was the most important thing about the whole recording session is is how it's pieced together. Yeah, and it was really interesting to see how the process went because when some of the cuts you were like, that doesn't quite work, and then when you actually hear it with the while the percussion guys are playing, and then especially with the glockenspiel and the um, you know the um, xylophone, yeah, yeah, you're like going, you can hear the. And I go, oh, now it makes sense with the orchestra because they've got the different parts of the actual, uh, you know, different elements. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I thought it was, I thought it was incredible. So, I think the one thing we probably want to wrap on in terms of this segment is mm. congratulations to everybody with uh, uh, to do with Uncle Art and to, yes. to Dave Lowe and the Kickstarter. To reassure any backers out there. It's going to be safe hands. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be tremendous. What we heard was incredible. Um, I believe 
there are some attempts at foot, and it was certainly talked about on the day, to try and see if they can get the piece on Classic FM. That's what they're doing with what they're doing. If you go actually go to their uh, Kickstarter page now, they're actually doing pre-orders via a button. Right. And, and that will allow people who have not Kickstarted it to actually uh, buy or pre-order the single version of the things that we actually witnessed. Yeah, no, so, and I mean, we, we'd love to hear it played on Classic FM. We're hoping then, uh, you know, it would then hit an audience, because the theme tune's so iconic. It would then hit an audience that um, would go a little bit beyond Elite Dangerous and go a little bit beyond Frontier. And if any of the, the Elite Dangerous devs are listening, get this get in, in the, the game. game. God, get it in yeah. the game. This, it's from what we heard, it needs to be in the game. You know, you have the London Chamber Orchestra recording this theme tune. Get in in the game. Suck it up be and talk to Dave Lowe. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, they, they just need to, you know, I, I'm sure they'd be, they were up for that conversation as soon as anybody, anybody contacted them. So, yeah, you know, and, and they'd love to have it included. So I think, you know, it would be great if Frontier would be prepared to just pick up the phone or to fire off an email and just talk to Dave because he's so enthused about that piece and so enthused about the recording. Okay, I think that probably does us for talking about uh, Uncle Art and the Kickstarter. Yeah, Guys, what else have you got for us related to Elite Dangerous Horizons? I've got well. crashes to desktop. apologies apologies to people watching the stream um for some reason whenever i actually get near the base and all the other players in my srv i did have a good drive around and i was going to attempt to have a look at some ships from the ground and then i had another crash to desktop Um, and if anything if it happens again the way it happened last time i will be in my srv on a deserted part of the planet about 50 clicks away from your position so i will have to get back in my ship fly back up to orbital cruise and back down again well yeah i know the thing is it is amazing and i I think one of the things i'd like to talk about tonight um because obviously the big headline with horizons i think is obviously landing on planets uh, and driving around in the srv i have been for those people watching the stream i have been trying to follow the radar blips on the little scanner and trying to scavenge for some items on the planet's surface that's been quite good fun um but the thing i would like to talk about you know that there are some there are loads of new mission types that have appeared uh, in the missions uh, and i don't know if anyone else has had a chance to try them and whether they've experienced the same bugs that i have well unfortunately um the only experience that we've had at the moment has been uh, driving around <laughs> the, our outpost uh, and so far i think we get about eight or nine uh, commanders in the instance and then that's it it seems to start having trouble when you have that many people yeah um so Can I, I think ask something what, actually and I, I, there's something that i'm not sure if is new in horizons or whether it's just because i get my cockpit blown out so rarely um, <laughs> that i that i've never noticed it before um but is it right that if you when you're when your cockpit glass gets blown out you can no longer see your heads up display you can only see yes. it on the broken bits of glass that's right yeah, I'd never seen that before. I was amazed. I was like, oh, I'm having to actually look out of my side window to navigate it's been back for to a long station. time, though, Chris. I, 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 it's, been a long, it's been a long time since I've lost my cockpit, to be fair. Ah, uh, right, yes. Uh, but it's, been, it's been like that for a long time. But yeah, yeah it, I wondered. It becomes very difficult when you've got that and an oxygen countdown and you've got to try and work out what dot <laughs> is the station that you're aiming for <laughs> and how close it is. So it can be quite dis- disorientating, but awesome. Well, thankfully, it's actually yeah. dropped me back into the station where everyone's driving around. So I am back in the action already. 
Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still waiting for mine to, to come back yet. So, I'm so uh, I, mean, I can't get into the game yet. Yes. <laughs> I had a lovely experience where I actually ended up, I was flying on my ship uh, just above the planet, and I came back in, and I was inside the planet. So I basically, ah. I could see the... Like the grid of underneath the inside of the planet, which looked really mm. cool. I've got a screenshot of it, but that was a nice and that was a nice little experience, which then went up and caused me oh about ninety three percent hull damage when I came out of the planet. Now, one of the things about Horizons is it's because it is such a, a big addition to the game. Um, I think a lot of people, when they're starting off with this, are a little bit lost. So in order to alleviate this, the good old Adam and Ed show was uh, on just before we started broadcasting. In fact, we had to delay our broadcast because they were uh, they were going over some of the new features and um, going through a lot of the, the a kind of FAQ or training manual, really, um, or training course to show how you can get the best out of your, your new Scarab. Uh, now, Ben, you managed to, to follow most of this. Uh, what were the highlights? Uh, yes, I did. This. I'll have to bring up my notes now. So we had loads of highlights. Basically, they're talking us through absolutely everything you could do with the beginning part of the... Sh- with the and I've just crashed the desktop again. Yeah, the me beginning too. part of... Um, um, with... Sorry, that's totally friendly. Matt showed us basically everything you can do in Frontier Horizons. Frontier Horizons, Elite Dangerous Horizons is not crashed to desktop with, but I lo- with the ladders that you've got with the oh, what the zero C and things like that mean. Um, but I learned a whole load of things that I've seen on their streams. But I thought, what on earth? How is all this doing? What's going on? Mm. So, you know, it's obvious, for example, that if you've played any flight sims, yeah, you can see, well, you've got your ladder, that shows you where the horizons is, and that all makes sense. Mm. But then, as Chris was saying, they've got a nice little blue zone, so when you go into orbital cruise, if you stick in the blue zone, you can nip around the planet nice and quickly. And I'd have probably, hopefully, maybe worked it out. But it was so nice to actually be told, right, if you just get up there, Stay in the blue zone. It'll take you up a wee bitty, but then if you go too high, you'll be leaving the leaving the nip around the planet area. Yeah, I think one of the the issues that we that has happened is that there is so, so much more uh, to deal with in Horizons that um, you you have kind of got lost. I mean, last night when I was uh, mucking about myself, I think I was there for about twenty to thirty. Uh, minutes just trying to get my scarab back into my ship because apparently you've got to um, you've got to request uh, docking clearance for your scarab. That's if you're landed on the base, is it? Yeah, yeah. and I, I was there for absolutely ages, going, "I'm in the right, I'm in the right hangar. Why isn't my scarab being taken out, taken back to its ship?" So yeah, I do think that well. I mean, it's only the day after. It's, it's good timing, but half of this information I would have loved to have known last night. Yeah, I mean, it's not even getting back into the ship. I found as soon as I drove, as soon as my ship disappeared off my radar, I was like, "Where's my ship? <laughs> my ship's gone." And then, if you try and dismiss it and recall it, you discover that you have to drive to something like 
10 kilometers away from the or a kilometer away from the base on you know by wheel before you can even uh you know before you can even do any of that so it's a bit like ugh, i'm, I'm yeah. now lost i basically just self-destructed my scarab uh so i could get back in my ship have you noticed yeah. though, that one of the things you can do if your scarab gets destroyed is you can rebuy it from the restock screen you don't have to go back into outfitting to buy a new scarab you can just restock it as a as like a ammo item i tried that actually um but unfortunately it didn't seem to work i don't know whether or not they didn't stock uh, scarabs at at this particular place maybe you can only buy them at uh, planetary um planetary landings but then again i have bought one at uh at leave itself so yeah maybe it's just a hand that didn't have them no i think they've got so many lovely little features so that they've added to the ui which unless you know to look for it i don't actually think you'd you'd notice it off the top of your cuff like you've got if you're coming into land they've got little chevrons just to help you get your angle correct for your landing and it's just so many beautiful little clues like that that i think it makes sense but unless you actually see a manual which might be nice. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to update their official manual with all this information soon enough, but until you actually see all this, I don't think you're going to know what any of it means. Um, It's obvious once you see it, but until you do, then I think you've got real problems. But one thing, have you guys noticed all the different clicks and sounds that we get from the wave scanner? Yeah, it's quite nice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming they all mean different things, and you know, maybe we can actually navigate by ear almost. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm assuming it's something like that. I mean, this, they definitely seem to ping for different things depending on what you're seeing. I, I noticed my ship had a certain ping. Rock seemed to have their own little ping. Well, Ben, isn't that traditional with... Sorry to interrupt, but isn't that traditional with what they've done with the sound anyway with Elite Dangerous? I mean, you remember what people used to do with the exploration stuff, where they could actually hear what a planet type was when they zoomed in? They might have, and people who have got better ears than I have can hear that kind of thing, but Mm. maybe it's because I've not done so much exploring that I don't notice it so much. I'm not not saying it's just on the exploring side. Yeah, I'm not saying on the exploring side per se, but the one thing is the quality of what they do with the sound is very eloquent with that. Fabulous, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I think we've all loved the sound that the sound that guys do. Yeah. Get that golden they should have done. Is somebody making piggy noises just now, actually? Yeah, I thought I'd play the scanner sounds into the stream so that people could uh, enjoy them. Uh, it's unique sound dynamic. It really yeah. is. Even it does sound a little there. bit like an unwell budgie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a point. Uh, Moving on, there isn't just um, the Horizons things to worry about. The Educating Ed series is continuing, and I do believe, Grant, there's a very important Educating Ed coming up quite soon. Well, yes, you could say that. If you had been following any of the Hutton Orbital radio uh, interviews that we did uh, two weeks ago, where we did the apprentice mock-up, we were looking for a new intern, and of course, Ed managed to win the position to be our convoy leader. 
we explained to him what was involved. We gave him a, a list of all the stuff that he had to do in organization for the event. He then said, ah, oh, but, you know, I could, I could just press a button and have my hold full of those rares. No, Ed, that's not how this game is played. <laughs> we don't have a magic button. You don't get to do that. So we have been quite strict with him to make him do all the things that we would expect of him to do, um, including, you know, making sure he's got all the fuel rats ready and on board. So he's been involved in that and seen what goes into running one of these large convoys of... I think this time we're taking some glue from ZC to Maypore the route is at the moment top secret uh, there was a leak but we plugged it a little <laughs> bit with a, a moment of uh, they put a picture over the route on the PDF and uh, anybody getting the link late then got that version of it which is quite funny um, so yeah we're expecting that Thursday night at 8pm we kick off uh, we'll be broadcasting live on Hunt and Orbital Radio. I think we can probably host it on Live Radio too, on the live stream, so you can listen to it. It will, of course, be an official Elite Dangerous Twitch stream, so you'll be able to watch it and take part there. Uh, if you want to take part in it, then if you visit the Hutton Orbital website, there is on the news and events page information, and there's also a link up there to the Facebook page. You can register yourself into one of the wings. They're, we're doing it by ship skins, so we've got colour wings, we've got um, wireframe wings, we've got the rainbow orca wings, so they'll be stranded, or we should really call them fuel rat fodder. And <clears throat> the mission is, again, to do time jumps, of uh, all run by Ed Lewis as he attempts to get us all to the destination safely and with plenty of fuel to get us there as well. So we also need protection from the pirates because they're out to stop him. And yeah, it's going to be another fun escapade. And I think we've got the best part of, I'm not sure quite if we've hit over 100 yet or not, uh, participants. But um, if the regulars turn up, it's going to be three, four hundred people. Uh, Xbox can join us, uh, which is great for the first time. All they've got to do is tune into Hunt Orbital Radio or tune into the Twitch stream from or the YouTube stream from Frontier and just follow along. Send messages in game if you can or through the Facebook pages to the Hutton and Truckers, and we will give you and your wings shout outs and keep in touch with you throughout the event so that you can be part of the whole thing too. And yeah, it's going to be exciting. It really is. Well, um, just touching on the other members of the community, um, it does seem that in addition to uh, the uh, Adam and Ed show, that there's been a really nice summary of Horizons informed by Commander Barking Mad and Commander Zorito. Is that how you pronounce Commander Zorito? I hope so. It works uh, for me. Yes. So if you can uh, if you find them, they're... Uh, Whereabouts were they, uh, Ben? That was found on Reddit. Uh, that's yes. where I, I dug it up from. Um, I, I just thought it was a really, really nicely done and very well pre uh, laid out presentation. Just telling us all the information that we've been told that maybe we've forgotten because there's been so much that it just... It sometimes glosses over a wee bitty. And hmm. I'm sure they'll add... These things that we discovered this evening, probably, to that document, because they've been pretty good at updating it as new information comes out as well. 
Excellent. And of course, if you want to have a laugh at really bad Sidewinder piloting, Top Shift 53 showing horizons is available out now. Um, have we got any questions on, from anybody on Facebook or Twitter? Oh, have you, have you given a big shout out for LaveCon next year? LaveCon next year? Dun, dun, dun. Really? No, we haven't. No, because, oh, crikey, we really need to. Is um, obviously coming soon. <laughs> you I'm have been saving that. The, I'm going there so I can see Double Cam 2.0 in high definition. <laughs> Both cheeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the official dates have now been released. Tickets will be available soon, or should I say soon? Um, we've not got details of them yet, but it was one of these things where we forgot to mention it last week as the dates were confirmed. And if I'm not mistaken, is Alan still here as he left? I'm afraid Alan's moved Alan on. Alan left, unfortunately, yeah. He's left us. We shall miss him. But then we can reload. Uh, yeah. So, yes and no. I'll make sure I don't get these dates wrong. It's the 16th <laughs> and 17th of July, 2016. Yes, those those are the, the confirmed dates that we've got so far. And at the same venue as last year, which is even better, so I'll know how to get there. Uh, that does make a big difference. I know it doesn't, doesn't sound like it does, but that does make a big difference um, because it's a beautiful venue and all the little issues that we struggled with last year, the things that, you know, you, we had a lot of... Karen was very up on getting feedback from people about last year's event. Yeah, green screens falling on, Grant. Yeah, green screens falling on, some of the issues with the food and things. So all this has been fed back to the venue, and we are really, really, really hoping that this time it will be as close to perfect. In fact, no, it's going to be beyond perfect. It's going to be amazing. It was amazing last time. It's going to be even more amazing this year. There's going to be more stuff for you to do, more things to play. It's going to be great. And that's at the Sedgebrook Hall, the 16th and 17th of July. So keep an eye on the Facebook page and on the Lave Radio page. We will put up the details of where and how to get those tickets uh, once they are all finalised, which will be soon. Right, well, I think it just remains to say we've got to thank all the, the commanders that have actually joined us down here at <laughs> the Lost Lab and Diesel 4. Now, uh, I have to point out, I, it is quite intimidating to have an Asp Explorer right in front of you from Commander Zuli deploy his hard points when you're just in one of these buggies. Uh, but flying around, crashing, and generally causing mayhem. We ha mayhem. We have Commander Azion, Commander Barry Shiro, Commander Nexus Reject, Commander Ventura, Commander John Whitehouse, and of course the aforementioned Co Commander Zuli. I think that will be it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook slash Lave Radio, and at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Skype chat by adding Fozza101 to your Skype contacts, or you can join our TeamSpeak server where the commanders come to hang out and chat at laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on Tuesday at about 8.30, 
Unfortunately, we've been delayed a little today because of the uh, the Adam and Adam and Ed show, and it's normally streamed out on hate on HTTP laveradio.com live. Now, thanks to Alan, thanks to Phil, thanks to Ben, thanks to Chris, and thanks to Grant, and thanks to all those commanders that have joined us in the dirt. So, until next time, fly safe, or if you can't do that, drive dangerous. Two seconds, I'll be right back.